Welcome to another lekker technical episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast with myself, Willem Klopper, and my co-host, Mr. Richard Bailey. Richard, a lekker welcome to you as well, and thank you again for joining me. Thanks, Willem. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, we, we try and get these things done as nicely and efficiently as possible. So it's, it's, it's another different, uh, slightly different format this morning, which is going to be quite interesting. Yeah. It's going to be lekker. Listen, uh, just before off air, just before we started recording, uh, I had a look at some of the things that you sent me and uh, some of the video clips and some of the images that you sent me. And uh, I think our, our audience and our viewers and our listeners are in for a, a bit of an interesting, interesting uh, information that we're going to share with them today. So I agree with you, Richard, that this episode is going to take on a different format, slightly different format than the, the usual episodes that we do together. Um, we're going to do a bit of a case study uh, in this episode. Um, and, and for a lack of better terms, we're going to call it a case study part one. And we'll follow it up with a few other case studies or continue with this one if possible. But Richard, um, I think let's just quickly cross over to a quick ad break for our listeners and our viewers. Uh, please, uh, please stay tuned. These ad breaks... These advertisements are for your benefit and for your interest. Richard and I will be back right after these. Are you having questions about the Plumbing Industry Registration Board and the plumbing industry in South Africa? Well, then join us on the couch and in conversation with the industry experts to answer all your lingering questions about the plumbing industry. The PIRB remains committed to ensuring open and consistent communication within the plumbing industry. So, be part of the conversation. Send us your questions on email at communications at prrb.co.za or on WhatsApp on 079-833-6930. Become a part of the conversation today. Hashtag on the couch. Hashtag PIRB. Welcome back to this technically orientated episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast with myself, Willem Klopper, and my co-host, Richard Bailey. Richard, in our introduction and our welcome, we did say that today's episode is going to be slightly different than all of the others. I did mention that it is going to be a case study that we're going to have a look at. What do we have today, Richard? What do you have for us for today? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Willem, uh, you know, when, when somebody comes to me and says, Give us a case study of of like of issues. Um, what do you choose? So, but anyway, uh, I, I came across this one in, in about twenty twenty, I think twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, and uh, it it um, yeah, it, it struck me as something. Look, uh, it 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 was it was a geezer replacement. In other words, so so just picture this. It's a it's a it's a beautiful home. It's probably it's in an estate, a security, beautiful secure estate, probably talking about a six million rand home in Cape Town. Um, and uh, so that's that's the sort of home that we're talking about. And it was a geezer replacement. So, so, so there was an existing geezer in there before. And uh, it burst and it needed to be replaced. So just bear that in mind. Um, and, and the, 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 the inst installation beforehand was not like this. So this was done 
for this installation, what we're about to see. So the geyser was replaced, uh, a certificate of compliance was issued, and uh, everything was hunky-dory. And uh, so, and of course, the the um, the homeowner was totally unaware. I mean, the homeowner doesn't go into the roof space to check these things. And 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 I must, in all fairness, just say this: that the issuer of the certificate was also not aware of of this. Uh, it it was his company and his plumber, uh, but obviously the installer um, just conveniently failed to show him this part of it so the the and you'll see what i you'll see what i mean so so we can have a look at the video i think it goes to show just before you play that video it goes to show um the the uh, accountability when you sign off a coc and you don't know what you're signing for ne? just goes to show and, 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 and the funny thing about this so sorry Willem, the funny thing about this particular one is that um you, you'll, you'll notice that that the geese installation itself, um, for all intents and purposes, I, I, I'm not focusing on that, uh, is, is is not bad. It's pretty good. So so one could be have a desktop audit and, and have your installer come back to you and say, okay, have a look at this. Here are seven pictures of the geese installation. And it looks good. It's like, fine. Okay, 100%. I'll include that in non-compliance. And I'll include that. And all good. But... Um, it's it's just it's just one of those fluke um, instances where an audit uh, revealed this. Listen, Richard, you said something. Some things to bear in mind. Number one, it was a geezer that burst. Uh, it isn't quite a, a you know. It's not a, a a shack or something like that. It's a proper you know. It's a, a proper uh, a, a built construction in a proper. Uh, how can I put it? A more formalized. Uh, a section of town or city for that matter those things to bear in mind geezer that burst it was a geezer replacement so there's something else that i want to say um as, as i may be mistaken but isn't one of the policies to say that you either leave it the same condition as what it was before the damage or you leave it in a better condition when you leave there, there, there isn't. So, so there isn't. Uh, just to be clear, from a geyser installation perspective, there isn't a specific um, instruction to the installer to leave it in any kind of condition. Okay. Just bear with me. The, 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 the standard does say that, and, and we're talking about SANS one hundred two five four, which is the geyser installation standard. So, when you uh, work on a geyser, you are subject to that standard, and it does say that um that when you repair replace maintain uh etc a geezer or an installation or part of an installation that you shall bring the entire installation up to this standard the most current standard so it says yes it has got to be up to scratch with one provisor and that is that if there are any pre-existing conditions of non-compliance that you are unable to fix, that you must bring that to the attention of the homeowner in writing. So the word pre-existing means that it was there before you got there and you didn't cause it. So you can't go in and create more problems. You yeah. can, you can 
be alerted to see the problem and say, oh, goodness, Mrs. Jones, uh, did you know that this and this was a thing? And let's the, the, that's one story. But you cannot make it worse. Yeah. So in not in so many words as you described, but 100% right. That is exactly right, yeah. The principle. But, okay, Richard, so you mentioned that you've got a little bit of a video clip that you want to share with us. If you don't mind, yeah. you can share it with us quickly. Uh, so, guys, here's a nice little one that I'm just looking at right now. 200 litre heat tech in the ceiling. Uh, nice house. It's open, there's no lagging, but he has noted that. Yeah, it looks pretty okay. There's vacuum breaker, TP discharge is 28 mil, 45 degree bends. That support looks a bit dodge. That might be a bit dodge. He's got a nice new valve on. There is a shut off, although it's an old one, but that sort of thing. Off it goes. I don't know if you can call that a clip, but everything looks reasonably okay, right? Sort of a no, 85 90%er. Oh, wait. No, what's this? See this truss? the geezer supported by this one oh, what's this we have here oops oops wait gets better oops oops Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's about all you can say about that. Is yeah, yeah, brood. <laughs> I mean, Richard, what I, I, I you know, <laughs> how do you cut away a piece of, of a truss like that? I mean, you compromise the strength of that thing and the support that it gives to the roof. I don't know. You, the expert, what what can we learn from this video? What <laughs> Look, the, and, and the funny thing about that video is that you can still see the the pieces of wood that were cut out and the um, sawdust. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, uh, what, what does one say? I mean, but, okay, but let's, let's come back to sort of reality and say, what does one learn from this? Um, and I want to say that even with best intentions, you know, the, 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 the issuer of the CSC, the, the qualified registered plumber uh, that owns this business, uh, did it with the best intentions. In fact, I know him. And I can tell you, he'll never issue a CSC by, on the back of that. So, so even with the best intentions, it just brings to light and makes, uh, brings it uh, to light, I guess, how important supervision is. Proper supervision. And, and we all make mistakes and we all um do something and then and then stop and think and say oh my goodness what have i just done and let me just try and cover it up we we all do that it's a human nature thing so but but from a from a a, a supervision and a, and a keeping a thumb on the pulse so to speak uh perspective i suppose it just brings to light how important that is you know in the bigger picture and uh i i my only sort of um 
internal explanation for it would have been like because we we need to ask the question what is going through the mind of the person who takes out a saw and cuts five four trusses out of of a of a roof of a house of a home's roof so what is going through that person's mind and my and my my only logical explanation is that he had been drilled and drilled and drilled by his uh, boss by, to tell him that make sure that the drip tray overflow is has got a fall. Make sure it's straight. Make sure it's got a fall at all costs. Do what you have to do to make that uh, get a fall. So, and this, and this is this, this is quite literally, and I think I think that's what it was, Willem. I think well, there was a realization that uh, you got. Okay, now I need to get my drip tray overflow in, which is sometimes the last thing one does in an installation. And you realize that you haven't got a fall. And what do you do? So instead of backtracking and making and, and making the correct decision to lift the geezer, you know, let's lift the entire installation higher so that we can get this pipe on top of the trusses. I think there was probably some time pressure. Uh, maybe it was a Friday. I don't know, dude. So, <laughs> just, a, that, that slight bit of a lack of foresight, no? <laughs> yeah, lack of foresight. And okay, and and we, you know, it is quite amusing because it's so blatant in hindsight. But but when you're when you're doing it and you in and you're sweating and you're under time pressure and you know you, you haven't paid rent and so on, you know that pe- people make funny decisions and. And and this is where also I think the 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 lack of training comes in, the lack of exposure to uh, proper, correct training and logical sort of explanation about things. Because the way to rectify lack of a fall on a geyser drip tray overflow pipe is to lift the geyser, and and the and the time to do that is before you put the geyser in the tray. And if you had if you had thought about it just quietly giving yourself two minutes to think about it while I was putting this tray on the timber supports because it's a brand new tray and brand new overflow. So it's not, wasn't there. They took the old tray out and they put a new one on. So if he had given himself two minutes just to think about that, he could have lifted it up quite easily and had that fall brilliantly done. As it is now, I don't know. I mean, obviously this was brought to the attention of um, of the homeowner, it's one of those instances where when we audit, we don't divulge any details to the homeowner whatsoever. It's not but it's not their business, it's between the PIRB and 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 the installer. However, in a case like this, we don't go and bad badmouth people, but we do we have to alert the homeowner uh, to this because especially one of those trusses that was cut uh, supported the geezer, was one of the trusses that was supporting a 200 litre geezer right there. So it was a dangerous situation in my estimation. And I don't know what it costs to rectify that. I have no idea. But it, it would have cost a lot more than just lifting a geezer. Richard, we're going to get back to, to, to what it costs and, and rectifying it, etc. just now. But I think let's cross over to a quick ad break. To our listeners and our viewers, please do stay tuned. Again, these ad breaks are, or these advertisements are for your interest and for your benefit. Have a look at them. Have a listen to them. Richard and I will be back right after this. South African plumbers, this one's for you. 
Discover the Master Plumber Magazine, your go-to source for SA Plumber. Available now on the app Plumber for Android. Stay updated with the latest in SA Plumbing. The Master Plumber Magazine, your South African plumbing companion. Download now from the Android App Store. Welcome back to this technically orientated episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast with myself, Willem Klopper and Richard Bailey. Now in this episode, we're doing a bit of a case study and it was one of those things that Richard as, or in his capacity as a, an auditor or an expect, inspector for IOPSA has come across a geezer replacement in a roof. Um, basically, it was like Richard explained in the video clip that you, that you saw earlier in this episode, it was a it was an eighty percent sort of all good installation done until we saw the trusses having been cut away. Richard, and just before we went into that ad break, you mentioned that um, you know you you couldn't imagine yourself what it would cost to to go and fix and repair that um, those trusses that were cut away like that. And you also you also mentioned something to me that stood out to me. It was. That th those trusses that were cut out, especially one of them, was one of the trusses that actually supports that 250 liter geezer. As if that's not dangerous in itself, um, you know the fact that I mean, what what is that thing? It's, it's basically 250 kilograms when it's filled up. Um, but but at the same time, don't those trusses that were cut away? Don't they also support the actual roof, the actual roof structure? Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the geyser was two hundred liter. Two hundred. Uh, yeah, total weight with that thing, the geyser itself, plus that's 250, 280 kilograms, plus me walking around in the roof. Plus, you know, you've got to make sure these things are, are, are serviceable things. People need to stand. So that's another hundred kilograms. So now you're talking half a ton. You know, in in the roof, um, yeah, or close yeah. to it. You know, and and you can't. So, but yes, you. The, the, it absolutely supports the the roof structure. Willem, things like things like roofs and timber supports and that sort of thing. It's out of our expertise. I mean, we've got eyes and we've got common sense, so we can see things like this. But it falls in the in an engineering specification. Uh, there are very specific weights that um, that roofs are designed to carry per square meter, um, and in many, if not most cases, geysers require additional uh, or the addition of uh, timber and extra struts and supports, etc., like that. Uh, and in this case, it's actually been removed. So that so the, the the simple answer is that yes, it it absolutely does support the roof. It's 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 by it can never be construed as okay. Never. There's just, it's not okay. And, and, and the funny thing about it is, Willem, you, you won't believe me, but it's actually not that uncommon. 
that we see roof structures being totally cut away to fit geezers in. Uh, I'd, <laughs> so I did a I did a I did a little inspection for my for my nephew, in fact, uh, about uh, three weeks ago, and um, he was busy buying a home. So I went to the home, and I um, did a quick little run through and just to see if there was anything plumbing plumbing wise that he should be concerned about because he was going to receive a certificate of compliance from a from a plumber to say that the plumbing's hunky dory. So I said, okay, well let's just do the exercise. I'll check it out and then see see how that compares to the COC re you receive. So I, I, I came across um any ceiling, let's not talk about anything else in his home, but any ceiling we came across that the geezer had been installed. Um through a trapdoor, and the only way in which that geezer could be could could have enough space to sit in the roof space was to cut. Now you've got a you've got a bottom cord, and you've got two top cords that make a triangle, and then you've got um, I don't even know what they call braces or whatever. Three of those braces had been cut away uh, completely. In fact, I think this, I think it was. I think it was actually top cords or, or braces or both that had been cut away, removed completely, three in a row, boom, boom, boom. And it had been like that for 10 years with the geezer there. So you say to yourself, okay, well, it's not going to. You can see with the pictures here. Um, it, some, it doesn't make it very, very clear, but the pictures do show clean cuts, geezers that, geezer that were sitting in the way of where the truss is supposed to be. So you say to yourself, okay, well, what's the difference? Because it's been sitting there for 10 years. Um, well, you know, I'm not going to make that call. The difference is it's a truss that has been designed and you cannot cut trusses. You know, you just can't do it. It serves a purpose. Richard, quite, quite some time ago, about a month or two ago, you shared with me a, a, some photos of a geezer. I think it was also a 200-liter geezer that fell through the roof, the ceiling, yeah on top of a, a couch that was in a living room in front of a TV, right? And it was because the support uh, wasn't strong enough for the weight of, of the, and, and the plumber didn't make provision for, for that extra support, that extra strength of support, right? Now, the first thing that goes through my mind is I've got a, I've got a, a young daughter, a six-year-old. If, if she had sat in front of that TV on that couch at the moment, that that 200, 250 kilogram weight came through that ceiling. What do you think? What would have happened to her? It's, it, it's, it's a fatality. It is. It's a fatality. Now, you can imagine that was with those trusses in place, but just not the extra additional strength being put in. In this instance, the trusses have been cut away. <laughs> I mean, in, in some places... Completely right through to the ceiling, to the ceiling board. What I saw in that video clip. Yes, it's. I mean, in the pictures of a different ceiling, that the pictures will say will show the same trusses that have been cut away, not notched out, gone, gone. So that's your structural integrity gone. I mean, let, let, let's talk about this. Was was this purely the installer's fault? So there, I chose these two sets: the one, the video, and the and the set of pictures. Um, because each one has got a different answer. The video, 100%. 
uh, that is installer fault. Uh, as, as we've already explored and explained, he could have they could have rectified or, provo- or, or um, avoided that. The picture set of pictures, not so much. Although it is the installer's fault for not alerting anybody to the to the danger of what has had to be done or was done before. Who knows? But uh, so there is a fault there. The, the the installer is not blameless. Let's not let's be clear. However, how at which point do you start to look at an architect that designed this block of flats and then instructed the plumbers to install the geysers in the roof spaces? At some point, he do you think he might have um, uh, uh, thought to himself to see whether or not there was enough room or space in the roof space in order to put a geyser in, not only to put it in and build around it, which is often the best famous practice, but to be able to remove it later and replace it easily and properly. So, so we, we as installers, yes, we are to blame, but we, often we are boxed into a corner and it's just, it goes to show how, how um, I want to say that, that the trade of plumbing is not taken seriously in this country. And there, there's no provision made, or there's very little thought given to the 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 infrastructure that has to form part of the plumbing system, and especially by designers. You will find time after time that a that a home or a block of flats has been designed aesthetically beautiful, and the designer and the architect have colluded and they've said this is what we want. And then they give it to uh, out for quoting, and the plumber says, "Well, where do I put my geyser? Oh, you must just find a place." They there have been no forethought about this, and a geyser can be two geysers. It can be a heat pump. It can be a solar. It it needs space. Mm-hmm. So there's just no forethought, um, and and that's irritating. It irritates me because everybody else gets a fair shake except the poor old plumber, and then we have got egg on our face as a as a profession. When we when we are forced to cut away trusses, so anyway, but that's just another that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> Maybe we can, yeah, we can gripe on about it in another time. I actually have some of those photos printed out in front of me here that you sent me about this case, um, and it's actually shocking to look at them. You know, it's it's uh, it, it's scary. It's scary to think that this is what what auditors actually come across. And I mean, doesn't this just bring back uh, the focus on the value of audits being done and being conducted? I mean, ins- let's, for, for, let's call it inspection for that matter. Doesn't that just reiterate the value of audits? Yeah. Willem, I've come across um, uh, many, many... So, so one can talk about the value of audits. Uh, from from any perspective, from a lot of perspectives, whether it's efficiency, whether it's heat retention, whether it's whether systems function correctly, and whether they were gaining any uh, proper heat from a solar system, which is often not the case. Th- that aside, what about the dangerous situations like this, and 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 the 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 the, the way that audits bring to light these dangerous situations? Now, now bear in mind, and I know this, we're running out of time, but bear in mind that we. We've probably got uh, the PRB has got about eight eight thousand registered plumbers at the time of this recording. Uh, so that's a that's that's a very it's not a big percentage of of the, all the plumbers in the country. Number one, 
And of those plumbers, not everybody issues the CSCs. And of the ones that do issue the CSC, we only pick 5% of those CSCs to audit. So when you talk percentage-wise, the audits cover a very small percentage of all installations out there. And yet we come across these situations often. And I personally have come across probably in my, okay, it's, it's quite a long career as an audit, probably 13 years. But in, in that time, I've probably come across one and a half, maybe two per year, that maybe two, two, two per year, maybe even three per year that have been really, really concerning, like this one. In fact, now that I think of it, three. So what is that? Three thirteens is 45, um, roughly 40, 45 uh, installations that have been really concerning. And that's a lot. Yeah. And, and, and it, could have saved, it could have saved some injury, some damage to property. And that's just me. So, so there, there are forty auditors in the country, you know. So we, it's it's in, it's invaluable. It's invaluable, Willem. Yeah. Again, just just referring to the risks associated with this, like this specific incident, this case, um, that's that that could have been that could lead to a fatality. You know, you you, you send you send a, a, an electrician up in the roof. You send uh, somebody who installs alarm systems, maybe up in the roof. He stands on those on those trusses, and what happens? They can't support his extra weight because it's been cut away. He falls right through. That's you know that's either you know severe injury or fatality, and and that all because of you know the things that you mentioned, why this happened and how this what you what you would have thought of why the reasons are for this happening. Um, you know, the architects maybe not making provision for the installation. Uh, again, the installer himself having focused so much on the, the fall of, the, you know, of that, of that uh, outlet, but not uh, thinking in foresight of just lifting and elevating the, the actual geezer. But Richard, you are absolutely correct. You know, it, it just reiterates the fact and the importance of, uh, you know, organizations like the PRB, Professional Body for Plumbers in South Africa, and the auditors of IOPSA that, that do and conduct these audits, and the things that they find to actually call back the plumbers and say, listen, this could lead to a fatality or injury. This could lead to financial loss. This could lead to damage to property. This could lead to all sorts of, of, of risks. There are all sorts of risks associated with it. And let's rather learn from this and think, uh, let's do it this way or this way. Just, you know, we are running out of time. We, ha we, are, we have to draw to a close for this episode. Um, but I would love to do another case study. <clears throat> like I said in my introduction, my welcoming, this was only case study part one, <laughs> Richard. And um, it, it, it was scary, um, but it was just great to to then learn from this how important the auditing and the inspections that you guys as auditors do are. Cool. Thank you, Billy. Richard, thank you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing this with us. And I hope that it's a little bit of an eye-opener to our installers, to the plumbers, to, to you who are listening to this podcast, um, to you that is watching this vodcast. Um, yeah, just think uh, and follow the standards. The standards are clear. From myself and from Richard, that draws to a conclusion. But to our listeners and our viewers, don't go away because we're bringing you some industry announcements just now. 
IOPSA will be hosting another plumber's evening today, the 1st of November. The event will be taking place at 26 Waterfall Avenue, Riverside Industrial Park in Nelspreet, Mpumalanga, and will start at 4 p.m. Don't miss out. Register for this event on IOPSA's website and attend the event today. The PIRB's World Toilet Day celebration is almost here. The event takes place on the 17th of November at the Sporting Hub, number 31A, Bard Road, Seltisdale Centurion. The PRB invites you to attend this fun-full day to celebrate Plumber's role in raising awareness about the need for all human beings to have access to sanitation. If you're in the Gauteng region on the 17th of November, feel free to join the PRB to celebrate World Toilet Day. In association with Ariston and the PRB, the Scratch and Wooden feature on App Plumber offers you the chance to win great prizes. Stand a chance to win your share of electronic COCs to the value of 9,800 Rand, a 150-liter Axios geezer, and so much more. The higher your CPD points, the grander the prize you stand a chance to win. Download App Plumber and start playing the PIRB's CPD rewards games thereon today. Kasi to Kasi Plumbers Association will shortly be hosting an open day dialogue with speakers from different plumbing associations. This event will be hosted at the Deepkloof Hall opposite Deepkloof Square in Soweto on the 8th of November. Contact the number on the screen to reserve your space.